Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Man, we are, uh, we're picking up on the This Is Us series and, and we're so pumped because we're getting to explain and, and put our vision in front of people. And so as we are getting ready to do that, we want you to know uh, that today we're talking about what the house looks like. And so uh, it's so funny, Justin and I grew up in Pensacola, all right? And so uh, we moved here when I was six. And so there's a lot of people in the city that have a version of me in their head that doesn't match the version of me now. Can anybody relate? So has anybody tried to grow a little bit over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years? All right, now some of us have grown a little bit unintentionally. Okay, that's not, not what I'm talking about. All right, so, but we've, we've grown a little bit over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And in high school, Justin and I made some questionable decisions. And so uh, what's so funny, though, is as Justin and I are pastoring a church with other pastors, amazing staff, uh, you know, people will find out, man, you're, you guys are at a church together? They're like, we're pastoring a church together. And they're like, oh, no, we're coming, right? <laughs> I, got, I got to see this. And it's so funny because we'll be out at Easter, you know, for Easter egg hunts or trunk or treat and some of those things that we do in the community. And as we're in the community with these things, People will be like, so who's the pastor here? And it never fails that somebody's like, that's him right over there. And I usually have like a flat bill snapback on with some J's or whatever. And they're like, is it behind the bearded guy with the Jordans? And they're like, no, 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 it is the bearded guy with the Jordans. And they're like, I'm coming on Sunday, right? Uh, Mainly because it's so funny because a lot of times the environment that you're creating just looks different than you thought it would. And I know for a lot of people what we're talking about today is we're talking about church but sometimes we've been in churches that, quite frankly, we don't, I don't know that they, we feel like they represented God very well. Anybody ever been in one of those? And so I, I kind of polled the audience on Instagram, and I, kinda, I asked this question, what have churches represented to some of us over the past years? So, so what has churches represented to some of us? So if you, were, you, you maybe went to a church hoping it would look like heaven, hoping it would represent God, and what are some of the things you found? And I just want to give you some of the answers before we start getting into what God uh, has kind of called us to as a church. And the first one that people found when they walked in churches is uh, politics and Christian nationalism. Promoting America more than Jesus. And I believe Jesus bled red at the cross, but I don't know that he bled red, white, and blue. And so... And don't get me wrong, I'm not against America by any means. I'm thankful for the country that God put us in. I just don't believe that that's what we need to be preaching more than Christ himself. And so, so people have experienced that. And there's a lot of people at TC that walk through our doors because they were trying to find Christ and Christ crucified. And that's what we want to put in front of people. The next thing that a lot of, and that, that one got a lot of answers, actually. The next one, this one was right up there as well, which was legalistic and self-righteous people full of judgment, shame, and control. Now, I didn't make these up. Don't be mad at me. This is y'all's answers. Okay? So uh, this one got quite a few. The next one uh, that we heard from is spiritually dead people too worried about keeping their traditions and opinions. And so, never mind. Nope. I'm going to let that sit. All right. So the next one was a group of people that are desiring the supernatural works of God more than God himself or more than Jesus himself. Desiring the supernatural works of God more 
than Jesus himself. In other words, I'm here to get something from God, but I'm not necessarily here to get God. And I think that's a tragedy, especially that, that's kind of my upbringing, not necessarily Pastor Dan, but the circles that the Pentecostal church kind of frequented often. Um, and so I'm grateful that I had a pastor growing up who was my father who, who laid a healthy foundation, but I know what it looks like to be in those environments that we were surrounded by. And so uh, the next one, uh, and this is kind of the, the one that a lot of it kind of fell rooted into when we were talking with people and people were sending answers, and it's an elitist mentality with man-made conditions on love, grace, and belonging. So kind of a, a yacht club mentality where you got to follow these rules, and if you don't follow these rules, then you got to do these things to get back in the camp because you've been kicked out the camp. And we can't be associated with your type. And I don't know if you looked around this room lately, but there are some people in this room that need Jesus more today than they needed him yesterday, and they're going to need him more tomorrow than they need him today. And if you are part of that crowd, can we give it up for Jesus one more time that we are grateful that grace and mercy is here for us. And so I'm telling you right now, you, you pull out. In front of me in traffic, you're going to at least see my hands going. God ain't finished with me yet. That ain't me blessing you in Jesus' name, all right? That's me telling you better get it together. You, never mind. All right, so, but all that to say is people know, we all know what it feels like. Now, hear me for a second. This isn't my attempt to attack churches. It's really not. All it is is my attempt to raise an awareness of oftentimes we go into places looking for God, and sometimes we don't find him. I know we had a, there was a story of a man. We launched Transformation Church in 2013. I felt like we did a relaunch in 2018, but we launched it in 2013, and, and before that, we were part of another church, and a guy had come to that church, and then he came to Transformation Church in 2014. And so he came to our church around 2009, came back around 2014, and he when he came into our building, he gave his life to Jesus. God radically transformed his life, broke him from an addictions to drugs, restored his marriage. It was a very powerful story. And we were so excited. And he said, yeah, I came to your church back in 2009. And I said, well, what happened? He said, well, to be honest with you, I came looking for God. And after you sang songs about a God I did not know for an hour and a half, and then someone did 20 minutes worth of announcements about somebody's baby shower that I did not know. And then they, they preached a message about a God that I wasn't familiar with yet. He said, after, after about two hours, I finally just left because all I heard was a lot of things about God, but no one gave me the chance to meet God. And that it kind of broke our heart in the moment, but it also confirmed what we knew God had called myself and Pastor Dan to in 2013, which was let's build a church where every opportunity we get, people get to either realize how real God is, and every Sunday they're going to get a chance to meet him before they leave. And that, that became just our heart. But I, I kind of came up with this saying in, a, in that moment that I kind of want to give to you. What a tragedy that people looking for a glimpse of heaven would only find people consumed with the things of earth. And if that's what people find when they walk in churches, I don't think that it's ironic that churches aren't producing very many world changers. Because if we're so consumed, even with the things that we call godly, but they're only things that happen in God's house. In other words, the traditions and the things that we want and trying to create an environment where people get to belong to this exclusive club. Hear me, I don't believe that's anywhere in the book of what God called us to. And so what did God call us to? Because that's what I think we have to answer. Here's a question that I want you to think about for just a second. What if God's people were so connected to God's heart 
that people got a picture of heaven when they were around us? What if God's people were so connected to God's heart that people, people got a picture of heaven when they got around us, right? And that's what I believe should happen in the environments that we're in. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says this, and we'll jump into what I have for you today. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. This is Paul talking to the church of Ephesus. He's saying, God has called you to something great. He's called you to this purpose, and I want you to live a life worthy of that calling, right? He says, be completely humble and gentle. Say humble and gentle. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Boy, God's working with me on that one. I ain't going to lie to you, all right? So I don't pray for patience because he puts me in situations where I need it, and I don't need to be in situations where I need it. Come on, help me out, right? That hot now sign at Krispy Kreme needs to be on when I'm driving by, okay? So I don't need patience in that moment, all right? So he says, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Say love. Make every effort to keep the unity. Say unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And that's what we're going to talk about today because at TC, I want you to understand we are a house like heaven. We are a house like heaven, and for the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about what that means, because I believe it means something for you. Look at your neighbor and say you. Come on, look at the person you just neglected on the other side of you and say you, all right? So <laughs> it means something for you, but it also means something for us as a church. And for some of you, you're new to TC, you're not even sure you've bought into this. Well, hear me, I want you to take what we're giving you in this series, and especially today, And I want this to be a helpful marker of the decision that you're making if Transformation Church is going to be your home. We want to introduce you to this. Hear me, because we want to answer the question, what will heaven be like? Because that's what we want to be at Transformation Church. So what will heaven be like? Because that's what we want to be at TC. And the first thing I want you to understand is that heaven is going to be a place where our differences are celebrated more than they're tolerated. Our differences are celebrated more than they're tolerated, right? This is so important because historically in the world of church, your differences are something you try to put aside and you try not to talk about and you try not to acknowledge. But I'm here to tell you today, diversity is something we acknowledge. Diversity is something we talk about. Listen, I will make fun of the fact that a lot of white people can't clap on beat. I'll do it every day of my life. You won't convince me otherwise, all right? Sorry, I feel like I needed, that was more for me than it was for you. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay, so, no, I'm just kidding. Like, we, we, listen, we're not afraid to have hard conversations. Not about clapping on one and three, by the way. That's a different, different thing. But we, we will have conversations around diversity. Why? Because we want to celebrate what God created in each one of us that makes us different. Listen to me. I, like, One of the phrases we don't use around here is like, listen, we're just a colorblind church. We don't see color. It's like, well, do you say that to all white churches? Do you say that to all black churches? At TC, if you look around, it's a melting pot in here. You want to know why? Because it doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you look like. doesn't matter what all your preferences are. I'm here to tell you, you belong even before you believe right here at Transformation Church. You will find somebody in this church that looks like you, that loves like you. I promise, like you. Why? We will celebrate you. Listen, we won't just tolerate the existence of people that look differently. We will celebrate the existence of people that look differently. And hear me, we will even hear from you as to how we can celebrate 
treat you better. But it doesn't just stop with what you look like. It also comes with how old you are, what your social standing is, what your income class is. Listen, we got people in here that have needed help consistently because that's just how life has dealt the cards to them. We got people in here that make more money than we can even talk about. You want to know why? Because it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you look like, but it also doesn't matter what your social standing is, what your income class is. Listen, diversity crosses over just racial boundaries, and it goes into generational boundaries, income boundaries, and all those other things. And hear me, we're going to celebrate you because God made you. I don't care what you look like, what you got, where you came from. I care about what God's going to do with your life. That's what we're aiming for as a church. And so, man, we're engaging every age group. We're, we're aware of how we communicate to audiences. We know what we're doing when it comes to that. And hear me, this is one thing I want you to understand. I don't care. It doesn't, I, I do care. It doesn't matter who you are. You can have a seat at our table. I want you to know that. Listen to me. It doesn't matter who you are. You can have a seat at our table. And that's what's amazing about Transformation Church and what we love. 2 Corinthians 13, 11 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind and live in peace. So you know what God's people are supposed to do? We're supposed to have one mind and we're supposed to live in peace and unity with one another. Right? So we're supposed to know that God, the God of love and peace will be with us. Romans 12, 10 says, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. And here it says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. You know what that means? It means if you try to honor me, I'm going to try to honor you more. So if you're like, hey, let me get you something, you know, let me buy you lunch today. It's like, okay, cool, I'm buying you dinner. I'm saying just don't pick like Jackson's or something. Help your boy out. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> someone's like, I'm buying you lunch. It's like, we're going to Taco Bell. And it's like, cool, I'm buying you dinner. And they're like, can we go to Global? I'm like, no. It's not equal. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'll do one another honor. Huh? Okay, so, like, but no, for real, we want to do that. Ephesians 4, 1 through 2, it says this. We just read it earlier, but I want to kind of look at it. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That's what we looked at earlier, right? But it gives us three words that I want us to look at as we unpack what it looks like to celebrate one another. It says, be completely humble, gentle, and patient. Humble, gentle, and patient. Now, unpack those words for a second. What does it mean to be humble? What does it mean to have humility, a knowledge of what you're capable of without the arrogance of displaying it? I'm going to say it again. Humility is a knowledge of what you're capable of without the arrogance of having to display it. Anybody ever been, have you ever been around people that had to puff their chest out all the time? Anybody know any one-uppers? Second you tell a story, they're like, well, let me tell you about my story. And you're just like, oh, dear heavens, would you stop? Right? Humility, knowing what you're capable of without the arrogance of having to show up and hear me. Then he says, then he moves to the word gentle. And I think for many of us, we misunderstand what gentleness really means because I think we look at gentle and we think, okay, we have to be soft and we have to be easy and simple. But the word gentle doesn't represent, it doesn't coincide with the word weak. It coincides with the word meek. It's not about weakness. It's about meekness. You know what meekness is? Meekness isn't a lack of power. Meekness is power under control. In other words, to be gentle really means reserved power. A reservation of power that sets you at peace. Uh, has anybody ever had, had a toddler try to fight you before? Come on, don't act like that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I saw some of y'all, you were you was hitting him with a knee. Bam, get away. 
right? Anybody ever had a toddler try to fight you before? Anybody ever, were you ever really concerned about that toddler? No. Why? Because they're this small, right? I will feel goal punch you right now, right? You know what I'm saying? You know, we're not concerned about it. Why? Because you know the power that's in you is greater than the power that's in them. You know what meekness is? No matter what circumstance you come against, no matter what the enemy has put in front of you, no matter what people are coming against you, it's an understanding that what God is doing inside of me is greater than I'm worried about what is inside of them. I have a confidence. It's not an arrogance. It's just saying I can be gentle in this moment because I'm not worried about whether or not God can come through for me. I know he can, so I'm just not worried about this. And hear me, Christians need to have a peace that's undisruptible. I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm going to take it for today. That can't be disrupted. And then patience, patience with those who act differently than you, believe differently than you. Listen, what a picture we could show the world if we loved each other the way Jesus taught us to. What kind of picture could we show the world if we just loved each other the way Jesus taught us to? Which brings me to the second thing that I believe heaven looks like is a place where we focus on alignment more than agreement. A place we focus on alignment more than agreement. What do I mean by that? At Transformation Church, there is a word that matters, and it's this word, unity. At TC, we focus on unity. We preach unity. We talk about unity. You want to know why? Because I believe the world needs to see a church that is united more than divided. Like the church, the world needs to see the church believing what we talk about, that if Jesus really died for us, that's the main focus and everything else is everything else. Because my main priority isn't my personal belief system. It's not what I think. My main priority is about what God has done in me and me seeing that happen in you. My main goal is that God would do something in your life because I've seen him do it in my life. Look at your neighbor and say, it could happen for you. All right, so Dream Team, I'm going to need y'all to help me out right now. Y'all too quiet. I don't know some of y'all's teams lost yesterday or what. You came in just, oh, what are talking about? Too many Georgia fans in here. Okay, so anyway, so. Ha, all right, so as I disrupt unity right there, right? So <laughs> I was going to bring up that Auburn ending. Anyway, so all right. Romans 14, 9, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Let us do everything we can to lead to peace and mutual edification. And I love what Psalms 133, 1, it says this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Like how good it is and how pleasant it is, how amazing it is. I, I even like to add words, how attractive it is for the world to see God's people living in unity. Right? They get around us like, man, y'all agree about everything? It's like, boy, please. You get around me and Justin, you're going to see us fight like nobody fought. I, I love to poke Justin's buttons, A, because I'm one of the only ones that can do it. Like, I'll, he'll say something, and I'll just throw a jab in there at him. And he got to where, for a while, he would fight back with me. Now he just looks at me. But hear me, do we agree on everything? No. But do we align on what's important? Absolutely. Right? Because here's the deal. We're always going to be tempted to be distracted by the things that matter less to the degree that we stop looking at the things that matter most. Right? And so here's what I want you to understand. The, the thing I want you to understand with unity, go to your neighbor and say unity. Come on, say unity out loud. 
The thing you need to understand about unity, though, because I think we have a misunderstanding about what unity is. Unity isn't, I'll put this on the screen, unity isn't about having the same beliefs. It's about aligning our beliefs behind the same mission. Unity isn't about having the same beliefs. I promise you put me and me in a room together, we're going to have a disagreement. Anybody like that? Where the hard head's at? Go and raise your hand. If your spouse is nudging you right now, that's you, okay, for the record. Right? Unity isn't about having the same beliefs. It's about aligning our various different beliefs behind the same mission. Right? When we look at Paul and Peter in the Bible, these, this is a disciple and the apostle Paul. And hear me, there's constant friction between the two of them with a disagreement on how they should handle the gospel. But it didn't matter their disagreement and their beliefs because they were aligned behind the same mission. Take the gospel to everyone that will hear it. And that's where we need to be as a church. We need to constantly be looking for unity. But here's the problem that I believe we run into in the world today is that some people have been so focused on prioritizing God things that they're forgetting to be godly. And here's why I think it shows up the most. I'm going to hit on this and I'm going to move on quickly because I don't feel like, mm. all right. So, but I think it shows up the most in politics. No, I'm not a political preacher. No one in this church knows how I vote, and I like to keep it that way because I don't believe politics belongs in the pulpit. But here's what I'll tell you about how we approach politics, and I will bring this up for you. For some of us, we're so married to what we believe is the most that God is the most invested in. This topic, God is the most invested in. This thing, God cares about the most. So God cares the most about conversations around abortion or traditional marriage or, or he cares the most about social constructs and how we should take care of people that are, you know, below the welfare line. Or he, he, we, we, We're having so many conversations about the things we believe God cares about most. Listen to me, and I do believe God cares about them, but we're having so many conversations about them, we're forgetting to be godly to the people that have a difference of opinion opinion. So we're, we're too busy yelling that we're not listening. And because we're not listening, we're not loving. And hear me, it is way more, listen, look in, lean into this for a second. I want to help you out because the next election is coming again. Let me just help you out for a second. God is far more concerned with how you love than how you vote. So love better and let the rest, listen, go vote. I'm not telling you not to. Do all your civil duties. Listen, do all those things. What I'm telling you is we need to prioritize being like God more than we're trying to convince people to believe what we believe is godly. And that's how we should love people, right? Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, going back to it, what does it say? I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling, right? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. But this is what it says after that. Make every effort to keep, what is that word? Unity. Make every effort. You know what that means? You know what, you know what the two words every effort means in the Greek? Every effort. Boom. Kidding. I'm just kidding. Like, so... Make, do everything you can to keep unity between all of us that love God. Why? Because the unity matters, right? So here's a question I have for you. What is it that truly unites us? What is it that truly unites us? Well, the reality, because I believe this, the thing that truly unites us is what we worship. The thing that truly unites us is what we worship. So I'll put it to you like this. If you go in some churches and the one thing that unites them 
is that they all believe the same thing about a political party, that's what they worship. If you go into church and they all believe the same thing about their traditions, that's what they worship. If you go into an environment and they all believe the same things about their legalistic approach to whatever, that's what they worship. And there's one thing, listen, I'm telling you right now, there's one thing we worship at Transformation Church. Matter of fact, I put it like this. At Transformation Church, there's only room for one thing to be worshiped, and that's God himself. We won't worship anything else. There's no other room. Do we have room for beliefs? You bet. Everybody in here has a different belief about something. You can have that. I'm saying you, we, we, I, you, we all need to align those beliefs behind a mission of seeing people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. A mission to see people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and start making a difference with their life. That's what matters the most. And so we, we believe and we can worship God. We can pursue his presence. We can pursue a house that looks like heaven. Because God is worshipped, that means his presence dwells where he's worshipped. And I want to take you to the last point today because I believe the last thing is that we desire to be a place where God's presence changes everything. We desire to be a place where God's presence changes everything. I want to take you to Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, there's a festival that's going on in Israel, and it's the day of Pentecost. Don't worry, my Baptist friends, stay calm. No fire tunnels today, okay? See, I told you, we can make fun of you. It's all good. So, no, there's a day of Pentecost, which is a celebration, a celebration where they brought an offering. Everyone's in Israel, but here's what's happened. This is what's special. This is one day a year that this happens. And so going to Acts chapter 2, what's happening in this moment is, is all the Jewish people from all these different cultures, all these different places are all coming to one place at one time to be obedient with one offering and acknowledge God for who he is. And so hear me. I want you to think about this for a second. Different people from different places that believe different things, that look different, they act different, they talk different. Anyone, does that sound like heaven to anybody else? Like, right? So all these people, they're coming together in one spot. And it says in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together with one accord and in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. All right, so the, the, like this, whole, this sound came and filled where they were at. And that's where we pick up in verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues. See? I'm just kidding. If you pinched your kid to make that happen, that was amazing. All right, I just want you to know that. Anyway, all right. So they were, see, all the Baptists, I told y'all, we're out. We're not doing this. I'm just kidding. Okay. All right. They began to speak with different tongues as a spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. We're not hanging up there. We're moving on. Now, there were Jews residing in Jerusalem, devout men, and this is what I want you to get as we get ready to wrap up today, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together, and they were astonished because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. So they were hearing the men in the room that only knew one language speak in all the different languages, okay? Now, here's what I want you to understand. I don't want you to get hung up 
on the tongues part. That's not my goal for this part of the message. What I want you to understand is how they got to this moment. Because that's what I want you to lock in with. How they got to this moment. And how they got to this moment, right, was that a diverse group of people from every nation under heaven came together. So diversity. They came together in one place. And if you look at verse 1 of Acts chapter 2, it says they came together in one accord. That those words mean with one focus and a united pursuit. So all these different people, listen to me, that believe differently, that talk differently, that come from different places, they came together and they unified behind one mission which was to see heaven touch earth through the power of God. And what could happen? What could happen if God's people moved everything out of the way and said, we all come from different places, we all look different, we all talk different, but we're unified behind one mission, to see heaven touch earth and for God to reach people. Because that is when the presence of God fell. And that's our desire, is to see the presence of God. And so it happened then, but listen to me, the beautiful part, it's happening right now. Matter of fact, every week we're hearing story after story of how God's doing this exact type of thing. God's presence is changing God's people. And we wanted to show you a story of how it's happened just recently in a woman named Jazz's life in our church. Go ahead and roll it, guys. My name is Jazz Williams, it's Jasmine, but I prefer to go by Jazz. Before I came to TC, I had actually prayed to find a church like TC. I knew I needed to be grounded and planted somewhere um, that was not only multicultural, multi-ethnic, but where the word was going forth. And I saw TC online, didn't do the service, but I saw like an advertisement for it. I said, you know what, you gotta go. I felt like it was home and it was Interesting that it felt like that because I was looking at who my neighbors were. So I was checking to see if like it was actually multicultural, multi-ethnic. They made an announcement for Next Steps. I went, Jessica was leading Next Steps. I asked her a number of questions that were questions about things that were on my heart and things that I know that God put on my heart. And like I said, it just felt right. I currently serve in nursery and on the Next Steps team. Serving in nursery is a blast. Um, it's just great because you get to come to TC all the time and, and have fun, you know, in a lot of different ways. So I get to have fun when I serve in nursery. I get to have fun when I serve in Next Steps as well. I think what was different for me, even having grown up in church, is that TC seemed to be a place where people were actually doing what was being said. So in terms of knowing God, in terms of discovering your purpose, in terms of finding freedom, and a part of home is you have family, and family has made all of the difference. I get a chance to hang out with people in church and with those same people outside of church. The relationships that I have crafted here have been invaluable. Um, people pour into me, they show me what vulnerability, transparency look like. They also show me what correction looks like, what conviction looks like. And those are not bad things. Those are things that we need in order to grow. A pivotal moment was most definitely Pipeline. In Pipeline, one of the first things we did was the Freedom Curriculum. 
I had never done the freedom curriculum. And that in and of itself is just what it says. It is freeing. To be able to reflect on your choices of life and death in the Word of God um, is powerful. If you really do want life, you're going to chase after life. Fear is real. Fear that the devil tries to instill past and present in your life is very real. But that's also why coming to church, first Wednesday, pipeline, next steps, fostering friendships within the house of God is important because people who are there to walk with me through the process, um, that's reassuring because I'm not alone. Give it up for jazz, guys. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's what I love about being part of an environment where people's lives are being changed. And so what happened then in the book of Acts, it's happening now, and it's going to happen in eternity. The book of Revelation says, after I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. This is, this is after the end. This is, at, you know, as we're preparing for heaven, I looked. There's a multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, who is Jesus. It's happened before, it's happening now, and it's going to happen again. So here's a question I have for you. How different would your life be if the reality of heaven played a bigger role in your life? Think about this for a second. How different would your life be if the reality of heaven, the fact that it's real, the fact that eternity is coming, how different would your life be if the reality of heaven played a bigger role in your life? What would be different? Would you approach things differently? Would you act differently? Would you love people differently? Would would humility and gentleness and patience be more rooted in who you are? Would you represent God better if eternity was more part of your life? As a church, I believe this is so important Because we always want eternity to be the thing we're thinking about most. And to do that, we've got to connect people to what God is doing. That's why we want to invite you to join us in groups. Get connected to authentic community and relationships in our groups. TC groups are amazing, just like Jazz was talking about. Join us for Next Steps. We've we've changed Next Steps to where it's only at 12 o'clock now. So it's not after every service. It's at 12 o'clock every Sunday because we want to spend time connecting people to who God is and be very intentional about that. Maybe you want to get on a team and let God start using your life for something. Man, I'm here to tell you there's no greater life than the life that's moving towards what God wants. And so here's what we want. Are you ready? I just want to give you this and we'll close. We are a church where people can experience the diversity, unity, and presence of God in a way that reflects heaven. That's what we want. And I pray that you want it too, because I believe God can do some amazing things in your life. So let's create the space for it. Amen. Let's stand to our feet all across this place.
you'll just close your eyes with us. The first step towards trying to pursue God, the first step towards trying to even be godly, the first step towards living a life where God is at the root of it, listen to me, is that Jesus would be at the root of our life. And the Bible says that we've all sinned, we've all got things in our life we've messed up. And today, I want to invite you to a place where you say, all right, God, I need to give you my life. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for those sins. And if you want to be saved today, if you want a fresh start, if you want a new beginning, then today, you can put your faith in Jesus. That is your belief that when he died, he paid for your sins, and today you can be saved. And so I want to invite you, if that's you today, where you're saying, man, there's some things that have separated me from God, but I'm ready to put my faith in Jesus and be saved today. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me, and the whole church will pray with you so you're not praying by yourself. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. And make me whole. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. And I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that prayed that. Perhaps for the first time today, we celebrate with you. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. Mytc.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.